You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mackie and Judd Show via podcast, where you can subscribe and give us a five-star review if you could be so kind on Apple Podcasts. It helps move the needle for other people who uh, may look to discover the show if they should be so lucky. Uh, we are going to talk about Mike Zimmer's contract extension, and we will have a scoop with Doogie who has inside information about the Timberwolves sale. But let's first talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, a place that my family and I have been frequenting for 30 plus years. I have been, uh, I've been rocking the 2019 RAV4 for a little over a year now. I love the safety features. I love how great of gas mileage I get for an SUV. And I love how the internal Apple CarPlay and Entune system essentially take all of the audio apps on my phone and blast them through the speakers. So uh, I can choose whatever I want. I can tap on the score North app. I can tap on Spotify, Apple, whatever. Uh, also, on the service side, make sure your vehicle is running smooth. Everyone's out driving around, enjoying the summer months, road trips. My friends in that service department will make sure that everything is running well to keep your family safe on the roads. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. <laughs> this was the response Rick Spielman gave a few months ago when he, when he, oh, wow. Oh, wow. We have breaking news <laughs> at the top of the show. What do you got? We have breaking news <laughs> off the top of the show. Hold on a second. Let's... Ain't no cracking here. <laughs> Ain't no Seattle cracking. All, right. All right, we're gonna we have to get into the Mike Zimmer contract extension. And my joke was gonna be that a couple months ago when Mike Zimmer asked for a contract, Rick, can I get a new contract? <laughs> no, Rick, I really want a new contract. Okay, fine, we'll give it to you. The breaking news off the top of the show here, according to Adam Schefter, the Washington Redskins are no more. We knew that. Their name for 2020 will be the Washington football team. Oh, okay. That's the second worst nickname. They will be called the Washington football team. Is that Washington FT then? As opposed to FC for a soccer? (laughs) Is that Washington FT? Yes. Can I steal that? Can I tweet that? Can I tweet Washington FT? Yeah, I'm doing something else right now. Yes, go right ahead. I'm (laughs) I'm very concerned about the Twins roster. So, yes, go ahead and tweet that. But they'll be Washington FT. Washington FT. Washington football team? <laughs> At least make it Washington Squad. football club. Washington yeah, FC. I right. think that makes more sense. I right? saw that so they will <laughs> as not, a possibility. There will not be final renaming and rebranding of the team in 2020. I mean, I, I will say the Washington football team is what 70% of people have been calling them for the last five or ten years anyways. Yeah. So it seems to fit just well. So their logo, I don't know if this is the official logo, but it's like a gray shield with WSH on it. Yeah, so it's an attempt to turn of a soccer ripoff. <laughs> It's sort, it is. It's sort of a soccer. And, and I will say this. I prefer this to coming up with a quick bad name. Like, I'd rather take your time to decide on a name going forward. I like Red Tails. Red Tails is an, it's an ode to the military. It's an ode to African-Americans, the Tuskegee Airmen, right? Am I getting yeah. that right? Uh, now, there, I did see an article 
somewhere where there there's like five or six remaining members from that unit. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them are kind of like, I mean, they're like 100 years old. And a couple of them are like, I'd rather just not be associated with that owner. And, and Daniel that Snyder, I don't blame them. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But the Red Tails seems like a good compromise for everybody. Of course, turning all of that around and getting a logo and getting it on everything. And if there's like trademark issues, somebody else may have bought those websites and the trademarks. Right. To do all of that in like a 30-day period before I don't mind this idea. Starts. Like, if, if you're going to change weird. it for 2021, I don't hate this. What if they win the Super Bowl? Then they're Washington FT champions. <laughs> then they'll never change. Can you imagine? If they win champions. the Super Bowl, they will never change. That name will be forever because you're yeah. not changing something that works. Correct. The Washington football team. So, Like, what are they going to sell? Like, just T-shirts? Are they going to sell shirts? I mean, they're going to have to take the Redskins stuff off the market, clearly, so you're not going to have that. So do you just sell Washington FT merchandise? I'll buy one. I'll buy I one. I mean, you you might just because it's so funny. Man. Uh, there's there's also another new team name that we're going to get to later in the show. A new hockey team in Seattle has its name. So we'll great get to name. that, too. Great name. I don't really know if it's a great, great name. name. We can discuss it we'll later. We'll talk about Declan. it. Young so Declan. Mike Zimmer, he waited. Mike Zimmer was basically on the verge of losing his job and then maybe on the verge of getting traded to the Cowboys in the early part of 2020. They pull off the win against the Saints and then get smoked by the 49ers. But the playoff win essentially solidified that Zimmer was going to be the coach in 2020. And then the discussion was, does he go in as a lame duck coach? He said initially he had no problem with that. Then there was the Chad Graff article from The Athletic that came out a couple weeks ago that said, actually, he's kind of chapped by this whole thing. Sure. He's the third winningest coach in Vikings history. Uh, at worst, he's 7-9. and nine, And at best, he's NFC Championship game. Why is he a lame duck coach? Well, the Vikings put an end to that. It sounds like it's a three-year contract extension. So Mike Zimmer... Will be the coach in 2020. Will likely be the coach beyond that, barring a total train wreck in 2020. So, Judd, what are your thoughts on a Mike Zimmer sort of long-term contract extension here? So, given the circumstances under which we are operating in life during a pandemic, all right, I think that this move, and three years is really not that long. It's not like five years. Okay. I think this is the right move for right now because – and if I'm not mistaken, we talked about it either earlier this week or it might have been last week on the show. At some point in time, you've got you're going into 2020 if you're the Vikings or any other team in this league just with distractions galore. I mean, you've got a pandemic. Guys are going to get sick. You're going to lose players to the pandemic. Guys are going to get hurt because they get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, football is a sport filled with distractions almost constantly. And teams say doesn't bother us. And they're lying to you. It does. So my question was, why would you want to create a distraction of sending a coach who's had success too? Like if if Zim was a colossal bleep up, he'd be long gone, right? Why would you want to send him into the last year of his contract? And this is going to be a story if you did that, Phil, repeatedly. It's going to be a story almost every week. He's in the last year. Is he doing enough? Um, The ESPNs and Foxes of the world are going to discuss it. Uh, continually because it's a juicy storyline and and it's a situation that happens in this league, but not a whole lot. I I also think that the Vikings probably, I don't know if they didn't think about this or just didn't care. Um, Zimmer had leverage here. He, He had some, he could go in and say, look, all right, here's the deal boys. I, I am the third winningest coach in franchise history. I just won a playoff game. Pretty impressive. Won a playoff game. 
and you are are not going to extend me or or do, do the obligatory as the Vikings did 2018 into 19. Here's your one year extension, which means nothing, right? 2020 is going to be filled with a team that's going to to have new guys on the roster, including a cornerback, Zimmer's pride and joy. Not by Zimmer's choice, but by Spielman's choice, all right? So if you go in and you're Mike and you talk to the Wilfs, you sit down and say, hold on a second here. Let me understand what you want from me. You want me to go into 2020 with a new defensive backfield at the corners, which is tough to do. You want me to be successful. And the last time I looked at my little handy-dandy football calendar, we didn't have mini camps. We didn't have OTAs. We had virtual, virtual. We're not going to have a training camp. For the most part, we're going to have some, but not much. And we are not going to have preseason games. So let me get this straight. You want me week one, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers come to town if we play that game. You want me week one to send uh, Gladney out and to send Holton Hill out and to send Mike Hughes out. And you want to shut down Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're telling me. And, and you're basically threatening my job. Look, if I have success in 2020, I'm a miracle worker. 2021, 22, let's talk. So... And I would have also said, last time I checked, you gave the quarterback an extension. The quarterback, who I really don't love, but I'll work with him. And I don't have one. Yeah. And and if somebody came to you right now, gun to your head, Phil, and said, you can extend one, Zimmer Cousins. I think you're extending Zimmer, and so am I. So anyway, all of these things, I think, and I don't know if the Vikings didn't realize this, didn't care, or what. All of these things gave Zim leverage that he probably very wisely came back in the last month or so and used. This is complicated because if you just look at it through the prism of does Mike Zimmer deserve a contract extension? I, I guess you'd have to define like what like what is the expectation that he would have had to have reached to to get the extension. And some people might say, well, get get to a Super Bowl at some point in your first five years. And if you don't, then it's just time to move on to somebody else. I think if you win a couple playoff games and if you are as formidable as the Vikings have been, you could make a very strong case that Mike Zimmer deserved a contract extension. All right. But if you're going to use there's 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 a couple other streets I want to go down here. If you're going to go down the well, he's the third winningest coach in Vikings history path. Mm -hmm. Brad Childress is fifth on that list. So it's like it sounds great when it comes out of your mouth. He's the third winningest coach in Vikings history. Mm -hmm. All right, well, like, who is he ahead of? Uh, Leslie Frazier, Mike Tice, Brad Childress, Jerry Burns. He's yeah. ahead of Jerry Burns. Yeah. He's a good coach for five years. Right. Actually, Mike Zimmer and Jerry Burns have a lot in common in terms of, like, their teams flirted with with being top teams but got thwarted in the NFC Championship game, had a pop-up season that surprised people and got to the NFC Championship game. Uh, but the, I think the thing that, scares me a little bit here for the Vikings is are they locking themselves into being good, not great when Super Bowl should be the thing that you have your eye on. Okay. They're good at coach. They're not great. When I think of great coach, I think there's probably five or six. I, I would put like the Super Bowl winning coaches, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. Um, I would definitely put um, what's his name from, uh, from why am I blanking on new Orleans coach? Sean Payton. Sean Payton. I would put Pete Carroll probably on that list, even though Seattle is not the same team that they were a few years ago. Mike Zimmer's Mike Zimmer is a good, not great coach. Kirk Cousins is a good, not great quarterback. Right. So it's it's really comfortable to have those guys because you know that you're not going to be a train wreck. 
I'd rather have Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins as my coach and quarterback than than what like 15 teams are dealing with right now at those same two spots. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins than Josh Allen. I'd rather have Mike Zimmer than like Sean McDermott. I'm you know Sean McDermott's fine, but like there's probably two or three other train wreck. I'd rather have Mike Zimmer than Matt Patricia. Let's put it that way. But can you win a Super Bowl in 2020, 21, and 22? Roster matters. Vikings are a pretty good roster. They're in transition. But if you get the roster right, can you win a Super Bowl with Mike Zimmer as your coach and Kirk Cousins as your quarterback in 2020, 21, 22? But I would start your question um, in reverse. Because I think once you decided to sign Cousins to his extension, you chose your path far more. But look, I really believe the pandemic plays a role here. I just don't think it's smart. And again, to uh, repeat, three years is not a long time. I don't think it's. I don't think you can send your team, which, by the way, is. And, and I know we we can debate this, but I know, you know, it's a stable team. It's a stable franchise. They they found a stability that those of us who have watched the Vikings for a long time, basically from two thousand to what Phil two thousand and thirteen, mm-hmm. did not see consistently. Like this team does not get in a ton of trouble. This team has character players. This team. I think you can consider the Spielman-Zim combo to have elevated the Vikings to being what we can call a professional franchise. Yes. There, there were many times in the 2000s when I think you looked around the league and looked at the Patriots and maybe the Packers and said, that's professional. Why aren't the Vikings that? Yes, yeah, Steelers, um, yeah. Yes, but but to to parse your points apart a little bit, I think, one, you chose your path about the Super Bowl far more with your choice of, of signing your quarterback to an extension back in March and you know what? If this was an ordinary 2020 and you had time to develop guys and you went into 20 feeling, you know, pretty good about yourself. Rookies have had a lot of time to learn, mm-hmm. um, go down that path. I think the conversation differs as far as Zimmer is concerned. But I just think in his defense, he very easily could go into uh, Ziggy and Mark and and Spielman probably and say, guys, 2020. I have no clue, and you don't, and hopefully these kids develop, but they are literally going to have to develop on the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about Mike Zimmer and the and the thing that would give me a little bit of hope here that, that there is another level, if I'm Rick Spielman and I'm looking at the same Rubik's Cube and I'm like, you got to win a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl is the thing. Like, like we've We've completed every level as a video game in the half century of Vikings football. The level that we haven't completed is Super Bowl. We need to win a Super Bowl. Okay. And I'm looking at all the different assets that I have and Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. The thing that gives me hope about Mike Zimmer getting to another level as a coach, maybe getting to that Super Bowl level as an overall coach, he is the least insecure head coach, I think, in the NFL. Bill Belichick's probably the least insecure. And he is the most willing to hire smart people that know more than him about certain things to evolve his thinking. Than almost any coach in the NFL, though. Well, but and like the offensive, the 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 offensive hires have often been good. The meddling with some people very odd. Yeah, I mean, definitely like well, him and North Turner clearly clashed. Yes, but his willingness to bring in somebody with more head coaching experience. He also brought in Sparan. He brought in two head coaches when he was new. Kubiak might have free reign here too. I think I think Kubiak Kubiak is sort of the. I think he's sort of the wild card to Mike Zimmer's next level as a coach. If he if if Gary Kubiak 
is adapting his system and his style to 2020-21 NFL, and if he clicks with Kirk Cousins the way that we think that he can, and if Mike Zimmer lets him do what he's going to do without getting nervous about running the ball too much, like Kubiak likes to run the ball, but let Kubiak make that decision, not Zimmer, Mm -hmm. Um, then I I think there is another level here. But I just keep going back to... If your goal is to be great and your goal is to win a Super Bowl and you start to look at, all right, let our, let's reverse engineer this. Our goal is greatness, and our goal is to be the best team and the best franchise in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Well, well, how do you make that math equation work? Well, you need a great quarterback or you need a great coach that can create some other great pocket of your team that lifts up a non-great quarterback. And I think the formula for a while was was on the right track. It's, all right, well, the Vikings don't have a great quarterback, whether it was... Case Keenum or like Bradford was good, not great. Bridgewater was good, not great. But the defense is great. And so that formula can work. You've got a good quarterback, a competent offense, and a great defense. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard, even with a great mastermind defensive coach like Mike Zimmer is, it's so hard to build up 11 guys in their prime, all healthy, all working in the scheme that they're comfortable in, like that happened in 2017, and they blew their shot in the NFC title game. Like, that was the year. Like, the formula came to fruition in 2017. They, yeah, with Case Keenum, they too. Need, they needed a better quarterback, I think, Which to get over the top. Which was God, yeah. yeah. But, like, that was the year well, to implement your formula, it didn't, and it didn't work on the championship <laughs> level. The problem is, I think if you truly want to go down the, down the path that you're exploring right now, which I absolutely positively love, but a lot of fans hate, and I don't think the Wills are capable, I think the question becomes this, too. Are you willing to be bad for a short period to be good long-term? Because, look, there's only so many ways to find that QB. Unless it's going to be a one-year Brett Favre, yeah. oh, my God, we got him. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, but somebody in 2020 is going to suck. And and I think they're going to be very happy sucking. Like, they're going to be like, we are awful. And, oh, by the way, with the first pick in draft, we will take Trevor Lawrence. You just, I think, as an NFL team, rightfully so, like, you're running a business. If, if, if you're at least interesting and you're winning games, you're going to fill the stadium. You're going to sell merchandise. People are going to be excited about your product going into the season. You know, there's very few times in my life watching Vikings football that there hasn't been some semblance of hope going into a season. There's a lot, like, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you like, literally, if you're 30 years old and you're a Cleveland Browns fan, only, like, twice in your life oh, have you ever been sort of excited and hopeful delusional. going into a season. Yeah. So, so it's hard to, it's like, you're not just going to move off that. I get that it, I'm not calling but for, you like, agree well, you with just this get, move, get rid of good coaches and quarterbacks. I'm not saying that. But did... This move in these circumstances, do you agree with, with what the Vikings it looked like they did on Wednesday? I do, but if a surefire offensive-minded coach comes along one year into Mike Zimmer's contract and you don't see a path to a championship, I think you have to be willing to move forward. It's only two years left to pay him. The Wills mm-hmm. have proven time and time again if it doesn't if it yeah. doesn't affect the cap, they will ordinarily pay. If Sean McVay gets blown out and the Wills say, hmm, offensive guy. Pretty damn good. I don't think they would be afraid to pay Zim for two years to go to the Kentucky Ranch and chill. Yeah. Well, they have shown that willingness. And I and I guess just to clarify, like I'm not trying to dump on Zim here. I'm not even trying to dump on Cousins. I've done that plenty in the last couple of years. They are both very good at what they do. They're both top 10 as coach and quarterback. They're both good. They're both reliably and comfortably good. And I'm just questioning Vikings right. comfortability. I'm going to help That's you out what here. I'm doing. I'm going to help you out. I'm here. sick of comfortably good. I, I, know I want a Super Bowl, and I am just poking holes right. in whether or not you can win a Super Bowl with Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. I'm going to help you out here. Okay? Okay. 
Zim. Mr. Fix-It. Three-year extension, right? So that is, so that is 21, 22, 23, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Cousins' contract. Yeah, they're tied together. Okay, but the last right. year of Kirk's contract, I believe, you can get is out. a – Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer will win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback oh, in his last year as coach. Whoa, Take whoa, that! Whoa! Take that! Oh my! Zim will get out. He will bring in Aaron Rodgers. They will sweep Jordan Love and the Packers. Jordan Love, the, the Green Bay Packers, in 2023 will score 14 total points against the Vikings. 14 total points. Oh. <laughs> there it is. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for Let's it. Let's do it. I'm here for Let's it. Let's roll. Uh, before we get to a scoop, the, the other big thing from last night is, well, I don't know, Twins baseball was back. Not regular season, but they were in Chicago. It was on Fox Sports North. Kudos to Fox Sports North remotely putting together a really good product last night. Like Morno and, and Dick Bramer and Roy Smalley were yeah. a joy to listen to. I actually thought the pumped-in crowd noise at Wrigley Field was perfect. Now, now Chip said, because Scoggins went, he said the piped-in crowd noise in the ballpark, he could barely hear. So it must have been just like for TV production? Because for, for us, to me, loud and clear and absolutely fine. Yeah, like a jolting noise every time I a pitcher struck somebody out. I Didn't it. you guys? I dug it. That was great. So uh, we've sort of vowed that now that this is a sprint, it's a 60-game regular season sprint, mm-hmm. we ordinarily advocate, except for Judd, against breaking down baseball games in the regular season as if they are football games. And Patrick Royce and I, when we used to do a show together, we strongly agreed on that, which is, listen, like, we'll definitely hit which, the panic alarm. Which is why I I was named Panic by Patrick Royce. Yep. Judd was always a master at taking an April 27th game against the Rays and turning it into everyone's on the hot seat. And that's something that I've always loved about Judd. But... I'm now coming to Judd's side of the fence. It's a 60-game season, and we are going to try as, as best as we can to break down baseball games like they are football games because they basically are. It's a two-month season, and everyone's tied. This is Rocco Baldelli last night. I can't really think there's much more that, that we could do to get them going than to see Major League Pitching, and we sent our good arms out there and, and faced them over and over again. Again, took a ton of swings and, and saw a ton of pitching. So I think our guys are going to be ready to go. So I don't I don't know um, who's going to be ahead of who. I I I think it's going to we're going to see kind of all different things just as we would in a regular year. And Homer Bailey pitched last night, kind hey. of. You know, like I said, there was a little bit more consistency than last game. I, I left some pitches up that I got punished on today. Huh? Just slowly getting there, and then I, <laughs> you know, once you start playing real games and that adrenaline really kicks in, and you're you're not quite as focused on yourself as much as you are winning the entire game. It, it's it's a game changer. You know, you you definitely start making those adjustments quicker. All right. So what stood out to you? Twins oh, Twins no. lose last night, four to three. Okay. Cause for panic. Game one tomorrow night. I don't oh, care. I don't care. No, seriously. Cause for panic. All right. Combination combo of things. Thank you. Here he is. Morneau, I love you. Dick Bramer, love you too. Homer Bailey wasn't working on things last night. Homer Bailey was actually trying. I am fearful. Look, guys. 60. Yeah, he's working on putting dents yeah. in the Wrigley bleachers. <laughs> Wilson Contreras, that hell? second home run Oof. is still traveling over the scoreboard. All right. Dude, did you see Wilson Contreras pimp that home run? Oh, too? And it was great. Oh wouldn't, wouldn't you have? Oh, I, I pimped it in my living room. He absolutely, he absolutely just stood there. He's like, whoa, did I hit that ball a long way? Three innings, five hits, four runs, all earned, two walks, three strikeouts, two first inning home runs, three home runs total. 
Here's the combo that scares me, though, okay? And here's what you don't have time for. One is you don't have time for reclamation uh, tinkering projects. Mm-hmm. Homer Bailey, Martin Perez are, are broken-down mowers in your garage that if you are a handyman, you go out on a Saturday, you tell the wife, I'll be in the garage, and you tinker with the mower, and you might get it to work, and it might work well for a few months, and it might not, all right? You don't have time to do that right now. The, the flip side is Odo goes on the aisle last night, uh, with back tightness, so so Jake is not going to be set to start the second game of the season. I think Rich Hill will. Long story short, you're almost certainly Phil Mackey, at least starting off with probably going to start Homer Bailey. You don't have time to screw around here. Like if Homer Bailey pitches in game in his first game like he did last night, you got to go to Dobnik or Thorpe or somebody. You can't just continue to throw him out there and be like, oh, it's too bad, man. He just continues to get hit, but wait till June. So this is actually an area where I don't think Judd is overreacting. Uh, Over 162 games, if you want to bring in a guy like Martin Perez was great for six weeks last year, and I think Martin Perez overall provided positive value for the Twins. But you you had 162 games to sort of play out the experiment, right? Let's give him five or six starts. If it doesn't really work out, all right. We you know we probably put ourselves behind the eight ball by a couple of games, but we're we're fine. We'll be fine long run. In sixty games, if you send Homer Bailey out there for four starts and he does that for all four starts, you might lose the division because of it. So he needs to be on close watch. Part of this is they 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 have found something in like his split fingered fastball, like his pitch repertoire. Yeah, and Oakland the sort of found something. Oakland. Yeah. Sort of found the same thing when they got him from Kansas City, and now the and now Wes Johnson thinks he sees more. The, but the point being yeah. is, you can't you can't just watch that for an extended period of time in 2020 and be like, "That's too bad." Yeah, uh, I will say one thing that I observed last night, and I and I was I was I sat on my couch for three hours drinking wine and uh, watching yeah. this game last night. It was yeah. amazing. And you nice. didn't get. Royally drunk. I I can't. I, I, can't, I can't, my wine. Two I can't, glasses of red. Can't do. Wine. Two glasses of red. You should come to my house it. and teach you that. <laughs> just slow sip. You don't need to drink four As, again, Not to me. Three claws were pushed down last night for me. And I saw a weak ground ball hit toward third base. And I saw yes. cat-like reflexes yes. by a Twins third baseman. He goes in. I don't even know if he barehanded it or scooped it with his glove. It was ninja fast. It was off balance, one leg, rocket to first base. Yep. And credit to the former third baseman, Miguel Sano, for a nice scoop, a stretch and a scoop. Yes. Josh Donaldson is a defensive game changer at third base. You saw it in that exhibition. He's a game Hoover, last night. man. He's an absolute and and he plays he plays the position like a cat. Like watch him. He's always he like gobbles up balls. It he makes it look not effortless, but he makes it Very he just smooth. he just makes it look smooth. Um, on the snow front, agree completely. He also had a really nice play ranging to his right. It was basically and ended up in second at second base, and it was a three-one put out. But um, you know what? So far, so far, yeah. Miguel Sano at first base does not look like a train wreck. Which, Football, which again in a sixty-game season is incredibly important. Because think about that: if he boots some balls there or can't scoop at all, you're in trouble. Polanco's in trouble. I love, I love it. We're 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 breaking down baseball like it's football because I'm, dang I'm not it, done it yet. is. I got a couple more too. Bullpen, go. bullpen looked good last night, and, and I get that it was not the litany of ordinary guys who are always going to pitch. But that being said, I'm with you, Phil. I think this bullpen is going to be maybe not lights out. I think they're going to be very solid. 
I think this bullpen is going to be solid. The, the bullpen in in this in this baseball as football season doesn't scare me, which is saying a lot because there would be nothing worse than Brios gave you five good ones, and now here comes garbage for the yeah. next inning it's, or two. It's actually hard in today's game, especially with the juiced baseball last year. It's it's really hard to find lights out bullpens up and down because like it's just really hard to be a pitcher when the baseball is a ping pong ball basically. Yeah. But I th- I think the Twins are are headed toward a top five for sure top ten bullpen this year. The other thing that stood out: how many times have we watched Twins games or a Twins playoff game where you're looking at the opposing lineup like a Yankees lineup and you're just thinking, my God, this poor Twins pitcher right now, poor fill in the blank, right? Even poor Johan Santana, like, this guy's awesome, but he's got to go through whatever, like Jason Giambi yeah. and all these guys. I know where you're going. And I put myself in the shoes of John Lester last night. John Lester, very accomplished. He's not the same guy he was five years ago, left-hander. Mm-hmm. And that dude is facing Mitch Garver, Josh Donaldson, and Nelson Cruz right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. That is a ridiculous... If you're a left-handed pitcher and the Twins are going to stack those righties at the top of the lineup... The Twins now have a lineup, even more so than last year, that should make you take a step back and say, good luck buzzing through this thing. Like At worst, a guy's going to get eight pitches, follow a couple pitches off, and and they're going to inflate pitch counts to get middle relievers into the game earlier. Here's my question that I I don't know the answer to, and I'm very curious about. Uh, Starting tonight with two games that are going to be played, I think it's Yankees, Nationals, and then Giants, Dodgers. Are we going to get the baseballs that we've seen in the summer camp and exhibition games? Because those are clearly the 2019 baseballs. If we do, I mean the Twins, it's going to be on again offensively. That but, first but I'm ball, curious if they're. But I'm curious if they are going to switch to my. Here's my guess, Phil. They're not going to because if they were, like it's a you know in April now it's like. Let's have as much offensive fun as possible. They should, yeah. The first ball that Josh Donaldson hit, I think it was his first at-bat in the first inning. It was, you know, like on TV, you, sort of, you can tell if it's a pop-up oftentimes, whatever, and he hits this pop-up that looked like it was going to be behind third base, and it literally carried to like two feet from the left field vine. Yep. It was ridiculous, and some of that's just Josh Donaldson is a beast, and some of it's like, that's got to be the same baseball from last year. The first, <laughs> the first Contreras home run, Bailey came off the mound, and it looked like a pop to center. Yeah. And it got out. Yep. So. Football. Yeah. Oh, I love breaking this. Down baseball I like love football. breaking down baseball as football. This is right up my alley. Twins opening day roster Rocco in is trouble out. if they don't win the division? I keep an eye on them if they lose two out of three to, to the White Sox this oh, weekend. Oh, boy. You think Falvey might be like that? Oh, Rocco, Rocco, Rocco. Time to hit the panic button. Hey, we, we just panic need, button. We, we just need a, different message, a different message sent to the team. Mike Bell? The Twins opening day roster is available on scorenorth.com if you want to peruse through it. The big headline is Byron Buxton is not on the injured list. So they, I'm assuming, are confident. He worked out at, what, CHS Field yesterday and reported uh, no issues. So he's not in Chicago yet, but... I'm guessing there's hope that he can play in the first series against the White Sox if if he's not starting the season on the injured list. So, uh, so there it is. That's your breakdown baseball like football, football segment of the day. Wait till Monday show. We're gonna have three oh games God. to completely panic about the White yeah. Sox Twins. That that Cubs reliever too was brutal. Dylan in, Maples, in the seven inning. My God, the first guy to come in. He was the sole reason we, they scored the first few runs. He couldn't find yeah, the dude, plate. That was amazing. That guy melted down. Oh, well, that was. And then I think Contreras called for a breaking pitch, 
and Maples threw like a fastball, and Contreras went out. There's like, what the? Reminded me of a Bernie Lauer throwing pitches at uh, the softball game last year. It was bad. Whoa, that's the third time Declan's taken a shot at uh, coworker Bernie Lauer on the softball team. But he's your manager too. He's not. He's no longer the manager. I've told you this. He, he stepped fired? down. No, he stepped down. Jess Somers is running it, and oh, with him no longer in the fold, we are two and zero, and I've been outscoring our opponents four to one. Wow. Was he pressured out by you? Uh, not by me. No. Who's I think the general it, manager of the team? That's a good question. Who puts together the roster? Jess does. I think Jess is manager. And so she GM. pushed him out. Yeah. She. How must many have. years are left on your contract? Uh, one. Well, he's a player. You should have retired. With a player anyway. option in the second year. <laughs> So Probably. so Jess pulled a palace coup on Bernie. Yeah. The Hubbard right. softball team. Yeah. Boy. Very Yankees. Bernie life. better watch his back, man. You should. It's already back. too late, Phil. Hey, real quick before we get to Doogie too, I saw this tweet from Fox Sports, like the baseball oh, yeah. presentation. So not only are they gonna pump in crowd noise on Fox national baseball games, they're gonna put virtual fans in the stands. So when someone hits a home run to right field, it's gonna be filled with like virtual fans. Great. And they're gonna do the virtual wave. And that's where I'm out. I don't even really want the virtual fans because, like, just right. Uh, this is the life that we're living right now. It's okay that and the, the noise, and I like the noise. To yep. be clear, I really do because it creates. It's too weird without any noise. Yeah, but if we're gonna bring the wave and like marriage proposals back into the mix, virtual things like that, I'm out. Fox, we don't need that. You've jumped the shark. So please, no, I'm with you completely. I do. I do not need fans. I. I like noise just because it helps distract me because because it's a fine yeah. idea. But beyond that, we do not need virtual fans. Yeah. That's stupid. And you're, you're right, though. If they start doing the wave and stuff. Yeah, uh, just get me out of here. Yeah, I'm with All you. Right, we're going to get some inside information about our local sports teams, including the latest on Glenn Taylor's effort to sell the team to Kevin Garnett or the Wolves from our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson here. But a quick shout out to Federated Insurance. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here for business owners. And they've been here for business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. And there's probably not been a year in those 100. I don't know. There was there was the Spanish flu, I guess, in the early 1900s. But eh, it's one of those top three bad years if you're a business owner and you have to navigate a bunch of stuff. And so you want that frontline protection that Federated offers. You want that insight and you want all the expertise that Federated brings and a full list of resources available to you as well. Federatedinsurance.com. To find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. All right, Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department and from the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Inside information about our local Minnesota sports teams. And Doogie, let's just start. I know you had a conversation with Glenn Taylor, and we played clips of that on yesterday's show. There's been all kinds of reporting. Adam Schefter linked the Wolfs to the sale of the Vikings. And then Johnny K said, actually that was more like a, you know, a few months back. So uh, wh- what can you tell us from your discussion with Glenn Taylor? And what do you know about the potential sale of the Minnesota Timberwolves? I feel that this is more real, by the way. Hi, Phil. Hi, Judd. Hi, Declan. Hi, I feel dude. like that this has a more real feeling than ever before. Like going back, what, four, five, six years ago, you know, Glenn went far down the road selling 30% of the team to Steve Kaplan, who was then a limited partner with the Memphis Grizzlies. He still might even be. I guess that's irrelevant to this conversation. But, like, I thought that that was going to happen. Glenn told people close to him it was going to happen. Now, Steve couldn't sell his share of the Grizzlies. But also, I was told behind the scenes that there was still some reluctance from Glenn and Becky Taylor and others that know Glenn that did Glenn really want to do that. But this time, I really get the sense that Glenn is very, very open-minded to selling. Now, he may remain on 
in some sort of limited fashion, you know, maybe retaining 10 or 15% ownership, you know, be a resource for, for the new majority owner. But yeah, I think before next season starts, now I don't know if it'll happen in the next four, five, six weeks. I mean, this is a lengthy process. Maybe, you know, more realistically, we're talking like October or November, but I think it's when, not if. I do think it actually happens this time on the Wilfs. You know, I'm guilty. Like, I think Adam Schefter is is God in many ways in, in what we do. So I accepted what he put out there the other day as gospel. He was off base. Now, do I think the Wilfs engaged Glenn Taylor? Yeah, and it might have been more Glenn reaching out to the Wilfs. I mean, there were definitely some conversations there. I actually think at one point the Wilfs maybe had, you know, uh, we're, we're talking semantics here, but but I think legitimate interest. So I think that interest could be renewed. Like, you know, I wouldn't say no chance on the Wilfs, but I was even texting with somebody close to the Wilfs this morning knowing I was I was doing this hit with you guys, and they told me, yeah, you know, whether it was what Johnny put out there, I know Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune has done some legitimate work. That's all true. Like, I can confirm all that, that right now there really is nothing cooking with the Wilfs and Glenn Taylor. The, the intriguing thing about that story being broken by Schefter and then and then refuted at least Dukes in the short term here though is is this Glenn and company clearly were trying by going through a third party to keep this as quiet as possible and if you're the Wilfs you have no incentive to be like yeah we're trying to buy the Wolves right so I do wonder if Schefter is far more on the right track than we think because because in this case all parties were aside from KG I guess trying to keep this quiet um, and so you wouldn't necessarily come out and raise your hand and say, I got found out. Sorry about that. I think that there probably is validity to the Wilf story and that there's no reason for them to embrace the story being public right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that, Judd, that, that there can be some posturing that in the end, do I think the Wilfs can be involved, will be involved? Yeah, I would not be surprised whatsoever. The fact that they engaged going back months just tells us that that there was some level of interest in the story leaking. I specifically asked Glenn about that. He said he actually wasn't surprised that he thought it would get out at some point that the number of people, the, the rain group, you know, had, had spoken to that, that inevitably it was going to get out in some form or fashion. You know, it did with, with the reporter from, from Sportico, that reporter. I mean, he's a longtime business reporter, sports business reporter, you know, goes back to Bloomberg. I mean, He's got unbelievable sources. So, I mean, I think it was just, it was when, not if, right? Like, I'm talking when, not if. It was when, not if that that story was going to leak. Doogie, if Kevin Garnett became part owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, in, in whatever percentage, minority owner, I, I would guess, what should his role be? What would, what would his, because I, I don't see him as a guy that's going to, like, set up and run the entire infrastructure, but what, is there a comp out there right now? What, what? So two-part question, what should his role be, and then what type of reception would he get? Because it's not like this bridge has, like this bridge needs to be repaired, I think, deeper than just Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett as well, is what I'm saying. Phil, I think the reception would be off the charts. I think a majority of Wolves fans would embrace Kevin Garnett being part of, of some ownership group. What would be the comp? I mean, what about maybe what Magic Johnson did for a short time with the Lakers mm-hmm. in recent years? What about what Flip did with the Wolves that first year when Rick Adelman was the coach? But would you give Kevin Garnett that much authority on basketball decisions? 
My thought is, I wouldn't. Not, no. We saw how that worked out in the late but 90s. But that's what he wants. I mean, he wants his <laughs> yeah, fingerprints. Smith, what do you mean? A problem? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, think about, you know, Trenton Hassel and Troy Hudson getting that big deal, Judd. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were there were a lot of questionable decisions. Gary Trent Sr. is my guy, but bringing back Gary at one point. Yeah, there were there were some things that sure. just made you scratch your head going back to, to KG having influence from, from his playing days in terms of roster decisions. But that's what he wants. He wants to have some say, if not full say, or at least final say on, on personnel matters. You know, so I don't know what the exact role would be. Do I think, though, that there is a chance that, that he's involved in the end? I do, just from this standpoint, even if his group, and I don't know for sure who his money people are. Some people close to KG have said, you need to look at, at some people in China that he knows. You know, he's got some shoe out there. It's, it's this brand called Anta, A-N-T-A, that, that that company is worth billions of dollars. That Some people have just suggested, you know, keep an eye on that. You know, those people, I don't have specific names, but that those people could be involved in helping KG. But even if that group doesn't ultimately win out, you know, let's say it's it's somebody that we don't even know right now. Some limited partner of the Brooklyn Nets or the Houston Rockets or the L.A. Clippers that, that has just stupid money that wants to be a majority owner. I think there is a chance that that individual would invite KG to be part of the group in the end, right? That, that okay, KG's group loses out, yeah. but that, K, that KG can buy in at, you know, 4% or 6% or 8%. So back to, to the uh, Sportico piece from a couple days ago that broke the story, Doogie. Do we think that it's accurate that there's a chance that the sale of the Wolves could be at least uh, concluded as far as the new owner within a month? Or is that jumping the gun a bit? Because I can't tell if Glenn's desperate to unload the team now or if, if Glenn, you know, going back probably, as you said, what, five years, has been open to the idea. So where do we think things are at? Is this imminent that a sale of the Timberwolves this time is going to happen? I'm not quite sure it's imminent in regards to one month from now. So if we talk on, what is today, July 23rd, if we talk on August 23rd, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure we'll have news on August 23rd of, of a sale being completed. But if we talk on October 23rd or November 23rd, God willing, I think that's more realistic. I'm just telling you, Judd, my senses from talking to Glenn, texting with some others close to Glenn, that this time it's it's more real than ever. That at 79 years old, he wants a legit succession plan in place. You know, maybe wants to donate more money to, to some other charitable causes. Right. You know, I mean, he can still be involved, right? I mean, he'll probably still have his courtside seats, still be passionate, him and Becky. You know, like I had heard for a long time, Judd, that it was actually Becky, Glenn's wife, that was the most reluctant. That Glenn has been more willing in the last few years, but that Becky was putting up the roadblock. But clearly now she is on board that they can still maintain their passion for the Wolves and Lynx. Let's not forget about the the Lynx and all this, you know. But but yeah, I I do think it's I'm telling you, Judd, it's it's when not if. I would just I would be, and I don't say this lightly. I would be shocked if by the start of next season, right in that vicinity, you know, let's hoping there's there's a start of a next season sometime in the winter that if we don't have a new majority owner. Uh, Doogie, Mike Zimmer gets a contract extension, according to our friend Tom Pellicero, who who initially floated this out yesterday as uh, as nearing a done deal. Has this been basically a done deal all offseason, and they just waited until the last minute before training camp? Or was there question over whether he would actually enter the season as a lame duck head coach? There was some question, but Phil, if you recall, pre-pandemic, me being in that studio with you guys, making my my weekly appearance, 
going back to late January, early February. If you recall, the audio exists. I said I fully expect Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, by the way, to sign contract extensions before the season starts. Yeah. So I'm not surprised as we're sitting here on on the first day of, of reporting for, for at least COVID testing, the quarterbacks and the rookies and, and some other select veterans. I'm not surprised that we have news. And I'm telling you, I, I expect Rick Spielman to sign an extension too. Whenever that leaks, I don't I don't know, but I, I think I think that does happen as well. So yeah, I think there was some question. Like I don't think Chad Graff randomly wrote what he did at the athletic going back about three, four weeks that that Mike might have been a little agitated, maybe a lot agitated. But I just think going back to, you know, the day after that 49ers loss, I was in studio, I think with you, Judd, that Sunday morning, that I just, I always thought from that mid-January day on mm-hmm. that this was going to happen. So uh, one contract down, one to go, possibly. Where do things stand with report day being Tuesday for the veterans at this point with Dalvin Cook and him showing up with or without a new contract? I checked this morning with with somebody that that is directly involved, and I can just tell you there's there's nothing new. Now, all it takes is one new phone call, one new offer. But right now, you know, as of Thursday afternoon, there is no movement. Somebody raised this idea that the Vikings have the leverage, that as important as Dalvin is, and I'll continue to maintain that he is the face of that offense, for this team to have any success, any good level of success, high level of success, in 2020, Dalvin Cook needs to be on the field. You know, so he's got that leverage, but the Vikings still control the leverage because he needs to report next week to get credit for the year so he can reach unrestricted free agency in March. If he doesn't report next week, it would be a restricted free agent situation. But somebody raised this idea that the Vikings, they didn't engage Anthony Harris in new contract talks going back to July 15th. I think that surprised a lot of people that a lot of people thought, me included, that the Vikings would make Anthony a new offer, then make him decide. The Vikings never did that. Then maybe they don't make Dalvin Cook a new offer. They tried to get him weeks upon weeks ago on a very team-friendly deal, you know, less than, you know, what Melvin Gordon got in Denver at $8 million per. So, I mean, they were trying to steal Dalvin on a long-term extension. He said no, that it's possible the Vikings don't re-engage Dalvin and his representation let Dalvin make a decision. If he wants to hold out next week, it's $50,000 a day for the fine. Or show up, get credit for the year, play out your contract, even though he's well underpaid at $1.4 million. Then we'll get the unrestricted free agency in March. Then, Judd, the Vikings can put the franchise tag on Dalvin Cook. That's mm. what somebody raised today that, hey, they just did it on Anthony Harris. Another happy employee. <laughs> who else? Who else is a logical candidate to get yeah. the franchise tag next March? It's not Anthony Harris. They are not putting the, the franchise tag on 30-year-old Anthony Harris. What's next the tag March? on a running back, though? 10 to 10.5 million? Okay. Yeah. It's right. it's in that ballpark. We'd have to look it up specifically. I think it's but it's more than that. It's, it's in that ballpark. It's either because it's either the average of the of the five highest paid running backs who all make at least twelve million, uh, or it is a hundred twenty percent of your previous year's salary, something like that. Well, maybe maybe Declan can can Google it real quick. I mean, Christian McCaffrey signing the big money extension, you know, and Derrick Henry getting paid, you know, pretty handsomely, and certainly Ezekiel Elliott makes good money. So maybe that. That you know that number I tossed out ten to ten and a half might be a little low. Yeah, here's the five. It's as is average annual value per year according to OverTheCap.com. Christian McCaffrey sixteen, Zeke Elliott fifteen, Le'Veon Bell thirteen, David Johnson thirteen, and Derrick Henry twelve point. So Derrick Henry essentially brought up the basement here. So it's basically like fourteen, thirteen or fourteen million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. 
I think, if you were to franchise Dalvin Cook next year. Well, and so. I mean, if you're the Vikings, you could say, okay, Dalvin, let's see if you can get through 16 games. Does it make logical sense to pay any running back, even though it's a run-first offense? The Vikings are atypical compared to a lot of teams in that regard. But does it make any logical sense to pay any running back? I don't care how good right. that running back is. Does it make any sense to commit long-term money to any running back? Let's go year to year. And hey, if we have Dalvin Cook in 2021 on the franchise tag at 13 or 14 million, yeah. you know, hey, that means he probably had a pretty productive 2020 season. That's why we made the decision to place the franchise tag on him. Let's just go year to year. Hey, uh, Dukes, empty the scoop bag for us here. What else you got for us? I checked on Fernando Romero. Remember Fernando Romero, yeah. twins pitcher? The oh, consulate yeah. in the Dominican Republic is still closed. He cannot get a visa. Wow. He couldn't get a visa going back pre-pandemic to get to Fort Myers. He can't find a way here to America. Wow. It is so unfortunate. Remember, like three, four years ago, he was the next big thing. Like, we thought Fernando Romero would be like, by now, like the Twins' number two or number three starter. Maybe yeah. their ace. Yeah. Now he can't even get to America. So I feel I feel bad for November Fernando. November 3rd, very important for Fernando Romero's future in this country. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Joe Biden might help his cause. <laughs> I, I would agree on that. Byron Buxton is driving right now to Chicago. Whether he's in the lineup tomorrow oh, remains to be seen. I told you guys last week I was more optimistic about Miguel Sano <laughs> he gets being in the open day lineup. Dear, dear Lord, please get <laughs> Byron know. through Wisconsin without any mishaps. I know. He's driving to He was Chicago. just doing 95. I don't understand. So, dude, yeah, you, you probably don't see him. Being in the opening day lineup tomorrow, you would think. I would be surprised if Byron's in the lineup yeah. tomorrow, Declan. You know, I think I it's it. realistic to think that <laughs> that he could be in the lineup early next week or maybe even by Sunday. I think it's it's more logical, more realistic. Right what I told now. you guys last week yeah. that that Miguel Sano will be in the opening day lineup. I only say it because I need to. I was looking for a write it down. Right you like writing things down? I didn't write that down. How about this, too, Declan? That was a great question. Great yeah. question. Thank you. Oh, no, oh, no, doesn't count. Does that count? No. Phil? No, not going to count that one. Damn. Not going to count that one. All right. Uh, Dukes, hang with us here. Uh, we're gonna we're just going to transition right into our final segment of the show, and we'd like you to participate. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore Sports Talker of the Week with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. Uh, Rami's going to remain part of all of our intros because we love Rami. Dang uh, right. So, so here's our Mount Rushmore, cliche Mount Rushmore Talker of the Day. The Seattle NHL hockey team has been named officially. The Seattle Kraken. That's right. The Seattle Kraken is the name of their hockey team. K-R-A-K-E-N. I had no idea what Kraken was until Declan told us before the show. Apparently it's a type of fish yeah, found it's, in the it's, upper it's northwest. It's a mythical sea monster. So it's not even a real... Correct. It's a mythical it's, sea monster? Yeah. Yeah. It's a legendary... Sea monster of a gigantic size. In so they Scandi- might as well be the Seattle. Folklore. They're the Seattle Bigfoots, basically. HR Puffin stuffs. Yeah, I mean, I just guess, made up stuff. I guess if you're trying to stay away from controversial names, uh, just pick a mythical sea monster, and that's what they did. So uh, the the Mount Rushmore here for you guys, the cliche Mount Rushmore is what is your cliche Mount Rushmore of current bad sports team names? And the Redskins are the George Washington. So okay, so well, wait, they're they're, well, they're submitted then. Like we were, are they gone them. now? Actually, you know what? The they're Washington gone. football team is the George is the George Washington. Well, I'll throw in the. Uh, Dude, did you see that? It's no. They're not going to have a nickname for two thousand one. It's going to be the Washington yeah. football. I'll tell team. you yeah, right now, right now on that very Mount Rushmore, there's no question about it. Our beloved Minnesota Wild. Ooh, I can't really disagree. A, man. a nondescript, it is a weird. singular. What is it? 
Like like Orlando so Magic, wild. Orlando Magic. Okay, it's not it's not plural. It's weird, but it's it's magic. The Heat. It's the Heat. They're hot, right? Disney World too. What is the wild? Is it the forest? Is it, it it's, a personality? You know, it's, tra- it's everything wild. in Minnesota. There's a bear in there. There's a loon in there. There's a lake in there. Exactly. There's trees. Yeah, it's too. Yeah, it's too much there. Narrow your focus. Dude, you got one? Well, I'll give you two from the NBA. The Utah Jazz. And I get it. They yeah. they inherited that name. Yes. But last time I That's checked, true. I don't think there's there's a real, you know, there a jazz diverse scene, in, yeah, jazz Salt scene in, in Salt Lake City. So it might be time for Utah to, to find a new name. And then, you know, in that regard, what about the L.A. Lakers, right? Like Minneapolis Lakers. I get that. But why wow. the L.A. Lakers? They That's didn't not need a bad to one. adopt the Lakers nickname in Los Angeles. It's not a bad one. How about, isn't the Cleveland Browns just named after ownership? Yeah, Paul Brown. Mm-hmm. That's lame to me. That is weird. The Minnesota Goths. The, Minnes- really, the Minnesota, Minnesota Wolves. I'm in for the Minnesota Wolves. The Timberwolves is the name that I like that. could go down. I like Timberwolves. 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 I do think it's odd. I do think it's odd. There was a long period of time where teams would move and not change their names. Doogie's right. Okay. Like, who wouldn't think... We're going from New Orleans, hip, hip as can be, to Utah. Let's get a Utah name, right? Yeah, that doesn't. I'm yeah, with you Doogie on something this. that fits the culture. It was very. It was a very lazy '70s type of thing. What about in terms of? This is just another non-plural name. What about the Tampa Bay Lightning? I guess Lightning fits because there's a lot of storms in Florida. Yeah, I, but it's uh, singular, so I do hate it. <laughs> doesn't bother me. I hate singular yeah. that one. Plurals, man. I was actually hanging out with former Tampa Bay Lightning general manager Brian Lawton the other day. Okay, lots. Mm-hmm. So we're going. We're going. For people say I'm not a hockey guy. We're going Washington football team. We're going Wild Jazz. And you know what? Let's put the Lakers on there. It's weird. You're by an ocean. Pick a new name. I know you've got a lot of. You know what's really lazy? Equity, but you know what is super lazy? Houston, the Texans. You were the Oilers, which is a great name. That was awesome. I and it know. should have been left. It should have just been Texans. left. Okay. Great logo too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then you come back with what should we name our team? Oh, let's make them the Texans. Yeah. As someone We're who, the Minnesota Minnesotans. As someone who played high school uh, sports for the Buffalo Bison, I can't really get too worked up about the like the same thing in both names. The Buffalo <laughs> Bison, no the Houston Texans. <laughs> so all right, Dukes, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm trying to think Thank of you. more. If I hit if I come up with more, I'll, I'll tweet you. Thank yeah. you, boys. Great I appreciate stuff, it. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore Sports Talker of the Week with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed to both of our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash score north for all kinds of Viking stuff in your feed, and youtube.com slash Mackie Judd for Twins discussions, Timberwolves, Rumors, Write that down. Action Movie Rewind, et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of Action Movie Rewind, tomorrow is Judd's first Bond movie. Oh, man. Never seen a Bond movie. We review Casino Royale. It's a Bond on until now. I have a big crush on Daniel Craig, so I'm very excited for this. We'll give Declan some space to explore his crush on Daniel Craig tomorrow as well. See you guys. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.